Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I want you to grab your Bibles and go to the book of Isaiah. Go to the book of Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah, we have a book. It's probably one of my favorite uh, Old Testament prophets. Go to the book of Isaiah. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them, I prayed all day that I would sit next to you. And the Lord did it. He did it. He did it. Look at the person on the other side and tell them, you're blessed to sit next to me. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 6. Come on, we're going to, this is our last service of the day. And so let's finish strong. Can I get an amen? Amen. 9 and 11 today were off the charts. I'm talking about 9 and 11. They were amazing. And I just sense God wants to do something in this service. And so let's lean in. Come on, let's see what God really wants to do in this place. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. Beginning in verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory verse number four and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke and i said woe is me for i am lost for i am a man of unclean lips and i dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts Then one of the seraphim flew to me and having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And your sin atoned for. Out of Isaiah chapter 6, today we're going to address the second question of our series, Asking for a Friend. And I think out of Isaiah chapter 6, what the prophet writes and speaks and the vision that he has, we're going to get an understanding to this second question. Today, we want to address this question. If God is love, why can't I do what I want? If God is love, why can't I do what I want? I've titled this message, A Cut Above. Somebody say, A Cut Above. Can you say it one more time? Come on, A Cut Above. Let's talk about this as we go through our series, our third service today, going through this topic. And uh, we're going to look at Isaiah 6. I think we're going to learn together, grow together, get some revelation. Grab a notebook, a pen, a paper, and let's take some notes. Let's learn together what God tells us about this topic. Today, we're going to talk about holiness. Words about holiness. And uh, today, if you're here for the first or second time, you're going to hear something that may be a little bit tough to hear, but I think is good medicine for the soul. And I think nobody really likes taking medicine uh, because at first it doesn't taste good. But how many know once you take it, it actually comes and it brings healing to the body. And so today, some of the topics we may talk about may be rough to hear, but it's going to be good and bring health to our soul. Amen. 
Come on, let's pray together and then we'll talk about Isaiah chapter 6. If God is love, why can't I do what I want? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all the services we've had. We thank you for this 1 p.m. Everybody connected online. God, we thank you for this church. Thank you for uh, all you've done in the first half of the year. In this second half, as we're already in the third quarter, we pray that you would help us, God, uh, this month as we're learning more about you and declaring a fast and praying, God, that you would lead us. We want to be in what you are doing, God. We thank you for this church. We thank you for all the leaders, all the dream team. We thank you for the rally coming up. We thank you for CLS. and We thank you for all that you got planned. We pray that you may just give us a greater revelation of who you are. Help us. Thank you for loving people like us. We thank you and we love you and it is in Jesus name that the 1 p.m. says yeah. one more time the 1 p.m. says yeah. can you make some noise for Jesus 1 p.m. come on several months ago me and my wife started watching this TV show and uh, it's one of those TV shows that you watch that really don't do anything for your life they're kind of to waste time a little bit do you have a show just to waste time? Sometimes you put it on just to waste time. And just before we go to sleep, let's just put on a TV show. And it was a show on Netflix called Love is Blind. <laughs> you maybe seen it. The point of Love is Blind is that you possibly, maybe, can find a soulmate not by seeing them, not by any physical appearance, but by hearing them. And so you're op, you're, you're, the, there's a wall in between and you're on opposite sides and, and you begin to talk to the person and you get to know them. And, you know, first you, their voice, is it a nice voice? And you start finding out about Some of them, you know, they would stay up till late night talking through the wall and it's like, okay, I think I like this person. And after about 15, 30 days, they have to make a decision and they have to pick one of these people. And they're like, I think I found my soulmate just through conversation. Right? And so after about 15, 30 days, they have to come out from behind the wall and they have to meet each other. And you got to watch the show. It's hilarious. They finally see each other. Some of them are like, oh, I chose you. Like, you know, it's not a good choice. Um, but, but, but I like the conversations we had. It's so now they got to realize, I thought I knew this person because of some conversations. But now you got to start doing life with this person. And how many know, like, once you start doing life with somebody, you discover so much more about people and who they really are. We were having nice, sweet conversations, but now I realize we may get in some arguments. We may have some differences. Get together for a year, and you'll see, like, this person is not the person I thought they were just behind the wall. And I started thinking about this because I think some of us, this is how we treat God. We treat God like a dating contestant on a reality TV show. We think we know God, but we really, we just heard about him through a wall and we hear that he's wonderful, he's loved, he's awesome and how much he cares for us. And we have this partial view of God and we think that God is obsessed with us and can't wait to hang out with us. Some of that is true, but, but that's partially true. And I think our generation, our culture today, all we've heard about is love, but we haven't come out from behind the wall and really gotten to know this God and walked with him and heard his word and read his word. Because if you do, you'll discover there's much more to know about God. And we just think God is obsessed with us. He thinks we're super cute and he can't wait. And because he loves us, we could do whatever we want because I heard God is love. He is. But come out from behind the wall, get to meet him, and you'll realize he's also a holy God. And so our generation today, we have a partial view of God. But if you don't see something correctly, it's going to affect you. In fact, I put it this way. Wrong views don't produce good results. Wrong views don't produce good results. If you don't see something correctly, you won't be able to live out something correctly. 
And so there's much more to know about God. And so through this series and in question number two, we, we're saying get to know this God because God wants us to know him. And he invites us into a relationship with him to walk. We have the word of God. This is God's love letter to us. And he's describing who he is. And he's saying get to know all the details about me. Don't just listen through a wall about what people have said. I want you to get to know me. I love that God invites us into a relationship with him. And when we worship him, we're not just worshiping a partial view of God. We're, we're worshiping a God that we can know. The Bible says this in John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in what? Come on, can you say it like, at least you have some coffee. Come on. In spirit and in truth. That means that you can know who God is. And so when we gather together and we're worshiping, I'm not worshiping what I think or an idea or my projections about God. I'm worshiping the God I know. I know him to be true. I know who he is. I know that he loves me. I know that he's holy. And we can worship in spirit and in truth. So he's inviting us to get to know him. Now, as we get to know him and as we go through scripture, we're going to find some scriptures in here that are hard to understand. And some things in here, that they're going to, they're going to hurt as we read them. They'll be like, oh, I didn't know this about God. Oh, I, I don't like this verse. It's challenging me. You ever read a verse that challenges you? That says you got to change your temper. You got to change that attitude. You got to change your heart. You got to change that mindset. The problem is with my generation is that we find something in Scripture that we don't like. And what we do is that we tend to just dismiss it. If it doesn't agree with my views, then I just dismiss it. And we throw away, we do away, we rip out the pages of the Bible that we don't like. And we assume that we're right and God is wrong. Can I tell you, there are some hard truths in Scripture, but how about when we approach Scripture, we do it with a humble attitude, not an arrogant attitude, and we say, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to assume I'm wrong and you're right because you're God and I'm not. Can I get an amen? And so when you go through scripture and you get to know this God in spirit and in truth and you find something that challenges you, hurts you, is calling you to change, you say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And so you're calling me to get better, amen? You're calling me to get better. God is always calling us to get better and to more, look more like him. And so God today, he's, he's challenging us. And as we read through scripture, yes, he's a love. He's absolutely love. But he's holy. And in his holiness, he has to deal with sin. And he has to deal with evil. And all of us know that our world is full of evil. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to tell you. Our, full is, our, our world is full of evil. And God is love. But the Bible also says that God is angry at evil. And God is mad at evil. In fact, we... Maybe you've heard this term before, and I think we've all used it, and I, I, get, I get the idea behind it, but we've always heard God hates the sin, loves the sinner. Have you heard that? Yeah. Right, we've, we've heard that in church life, but, but I don't know, because the Bible also says that God hates evildoers. If you don't believe me, let, let's open up scripture. Psalm chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, the psalmist writes, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Can you say that with me? Come on. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful men. Ooh. This is a scripture that's right. Ooh, take me behind the wall. I like grace better. I like love better. Like, this is hard. He hates evildoers. 
We go through scripture and we see stuff like this and we're like, oh, I'm going to throw it away. How, if God is so loving, why would he send people to hell as if it were more merciful than God? We think we have more love and more mercy than God and we can come up with a better plan. Some of us, we can't even get our life together and yet we think we could get a better plan for the universe. Right? Like I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing and he's going to take care of evil. And yes, there's a real place called hell and it feels kind of like this 1 p.m. feels right now. It's really hot. Right? And so I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing, but he punishes evil. Here's the thing. You look deep down inside and we start to realize we all have evil inside. Every single one of us. I know this is the 1 p.m. I know this is full of holy people, but, but the 9 and 11, there's some sinners at 9 and 11. <laughs> like you look deep down inside, we've all lied. We've all cheated. We've all stolen. We've all hated. We've all have lusted. And so you start doing an internal investigation of your heart and you'll realize, whoa, I'm a cheater, lustful, prideful, hateful person. There's evil inside. Like nobody knows you like you know you. And so you start thinking about some of the thoughts that you've had in your life and you're like, I'm a sinner. Like if some of the people heard some of our thoughts out loud, oh, how many know? Some of us will be in jail. Come on. Prison life sentence. Some of us, for, for some of the thoughts, I don't know about you, but I've had some thoughts that I'm like, Lord, forgive me, right? Like I've had some thoughts where, Lord, if you grab that person, just strangle them, Lord. Just strangle them. It's you, not me. You do it, Lord. A a anybody, anybody with me? <laughs> 1 p.m. is really holy, but 9-11, there's some sinners there. We start doing an internal investigation and we're like, whoa, Lord, we're all sinners, and we have evil on the inside. Now, here's the thing. You go through scripture and you realize God has a problem with evil. God has a problem with sin and he's going to take care of it. He has, he is, and he will take care of it. And sometimes he removes sin by removing sinners. Throughout the Old Testament, you came into God's presence with sin, you would die. But I thought he was a desperate boyfriend that loved me. He does love you, but he doesn't play because he's holy. Right? And all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that people died in the presence of God. Yeah, but that's Old Testament, not New Testament. New Testament as well. The book of Acts, the church just started. And this couple walks in and they lie about their tithes and offerings. Some of you are like, oh, wait, bring an envelope back. <laughs> they lied to the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Bible says? Both of them die on the spot in church. We have a holy God. The church continues to flourish. The church blows up. Like it starts to spread all over the known world. There's a church in a city called Corinth. This is a thriving church. It's growing. It's literally, literally thousands of people that are coming to this church. And the Bible says, Paul's writing to them and Paul says, it is worse when you gather together. You guys are crazy. It says some of you are sleeping with each other. One of you, you're sleeping with like your, your, your dad's new wife. It is great. Some of you, you're grabbing the communion cups and you're drinking so much wine, you're getting drunk in church. I promise you, read it. The church is wild. Right? And so Paul says, it's worse when you gather together and look what's happening because of your sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and eats and they eat and drink judgment on themselves. You're taking communion lightly. You're sinning, you're doing whatever you want, and you come in here like, yeah, whatever, God loves me. He's a desperate boyfriend, and he can't wait till we come around the wall, and we date forever. So you're taking God lightly. 
Look at the last part. It says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have... Mm. <laughs> I have a problem with this, God. Assume you're wrong and assume God is right. He's a holy God. But I thought Jesus was love. We've all seen the posters where Jesus is like... He loves me. He loves me. He loves me so much. He does. Go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, he's talking to the churches and to one church. He says, if you don't repent, I will destroy you. Jesus. This is Jesus saying this. Right? Like, and I think our generation, we haven't messed up. We have this like love view of God as if he's desperately in love with us. He is. But you don't play with the holy God. We have an awesome God. And I think our concept of love is wrong. We think love means no authority, no boundaries, no rules. I grew up with Hispanic parents. They're Costa Rican. They're crazy. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. I grew up with parents that loved me. My dad and my mom loved me. I got my sister here. My brother comes to one of those services. We grew up with loving parents. But if we got out of line, my dad had a belt, Black Beauty. It would come out and it would get us in line real quick. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I never assumed my dad hates me. I knew he did it out of love. My mom had a chancleta that had precision aiming. It would go around hallways and into rooms and just find me wherever I was at. Right? Like my parents put me in line. The problem today is that we have the wrong concept of love. Today we think love means do whatever you want. That's love. Hey, I love you, so do whatever you want to do. That's not love. Yeah, yeah, in the name of love. Do whatever you want. No boundaries. Go wherever you want to do. Uh, sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Consume whatever you want to. Because it's love. Love, love, love. La, 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 love. <laughs> love with no rules, no boundaries. Love with no authority is not love. It's actually anarchy. My parents had rules. My parents had boundaries. My parents would challenge us, correct us because they loved us. And so God is love. He's not a genie, he's a father who gives us what we need, and he's not a desperate boyfriend, he's a king who rules with love and authority. Can I get an amen? So God, God is holy. Somebody say holy. holy. What does holy mean? Because maybe we've heard of holy, like our culture says the word holy super loosely, like, oh, holy cow, holy, another word that you can't say here because we're trying to be holy, but holy right like holy smokes right we use we use holy all kinds of ways right uh when it comes to christians you hear holy and they call us holy rollers because they think that means you're better but this is what the word holy means this is literally what it means holy means to be separate to be set apart it literally means a cut above if something is holy that means it's been separated for something it, it's, it's better than everything else. It's, it's set apart for special use. It's, it's a cut above. Pastor Tony Evans, he gives this illustration of the word holy. He said his grandma had some dishes from fine china that they were holy. <laughs> they were set apart from all the other plates. You would go to their house, he said, during the week, and you would eat on any plate and whatever, but there were some that were set apart. They were high and lifted up, he says. Up, high and lifted up on the kitchen, and can't nobody touch them. They were better. And those only came down for special occasions. Anybody grew up with some fine china? Some of us are like, fine china, I don't get it. Me neither. I grew, I grew up fine broke, right? But, but fine china, they were up and set apart. And only for certain dinners, they would come down. And it was so exclusive, you wouldn't even eat on them. They were just there for show. And as soon as everybody left, they went back up 
to their high and lifted up place. That's a cut above, separated, holy, set apart. God is better than everything else in this world. To say that God is holy is that he's better than anything our eyes have ever seen or will see. He's better. He's set apart. He's a cut above. He's not like any other God. He's not like any other created thing. He is separated. He's holy. He's high and lifted up. Our God is strong. Our God has power. Our God can heal. Our God can deliver. Our God, he is the God that is above every. He doesn't need no help. You can't help him. You can't give him any kind of hand. He's God and he's God all by himself. Let me help God here. You're not helping God. He's God. <laughs> Exodus chapter 15 verse 11 says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Who is like you? You start to think about everything our God has done. It's like, who is like God? Who is like this God? Pastor Craig Rochelle says he has strength that he didn't need to go to the gym for. He has knowledge that he didn't have to read a book for. He has love that he never received but still knew how to give. Like our God is powerful. He can do the impossible. Oh, our God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need help from any human being. He's God all by himself. He created the universe, the stars, the earth. He walks up on galaxies. He's the God who doesn't need nobody. He exists. He was, he is, and he will be. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Who is like our God that makes wonders? Who is like our God that can create bodies? Who is like our God that spun the universe? Oh, who is like this great, holy, awesome a cut above type of God he's an awesome God I start to think about this God and my brain will fry he's an who humanity doesn't even come close to God we can make microchips we still can't make a human life and even if we do we won't even come close he's God and he's holy he's holy he's an awesome God today this is the way I put it a recognition of holy creates an understanding of love. Today, if we can realize how holy our God is, we'll grow in appreciation for the love of God. The Bible says that God is holy 637 times. If you listen to our generation, our culture today, you would think that it says God is love 637 times because all we talk about is love. Love, 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 love. God is love. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Love, love, love. He loves me. He loves me. Love, 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 love. But it only says it twice and it says it in one verse. But holy, it says 637 times. Love is one attribute or one view of God, but you got to come out from behind the wall and get to know this God. And when you get to know him, you, you see he's not just love. He's also justice. Not just justice, but he's also righteous. Not just righteous, but also holy. Somebody say holy. Holy is the least popular attribute that people talk about God. But a theologian said it's the most important one we got to talk about. We don't want to talk about it because it sounds hard, but, but it's the one we should talk about because it's all throughout scripture. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need to know he's holy. And when we realize, when we get a revelation of this love, we'll appreciate the love of God. When we get a re revelation, excuse me, of the holiness, we'll appreciate the love of God. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 is beautiful because Isaiah begins by saying that the king had just died. 
King Uzziah had just died. Who is King Uzziah? King Uzziah was a big, powerful king who reigned for 52 years. He reigned for so long that there was stability in the land. He brought peace to the land. When he dies, you could imagine living in those times, the king has died. The news spread everywhere. It was all over CNN, Fox, on down in the ticker. It was trending topic on Twitter. Everybody's like, the king has died. And everybody's losing their mind. And I could imagine the prophet Isaiah walking around like, God, who are you going to bring up next for the king? What are you going to do? People have lost their mind. There is no king. But God is about to show the prophet Isaiah that, that whether there's a king or not on this throne on earth, there's a king who always sits on the throne in heaven. And he's a good and he's a holy king. And the Bible says that Isaiah has a vision of this God who is high and lifted up. He's above everything, above all of our problems, all of our stress, all of our insecurities, everything we worry about. He's high and lifted up. And it says that the, the train of his robe filled the temple and it was full of smoke. Wow, what a view of this powerful almighty God. In fact, it is so powerful that Isaiah says in chapter 6, woe is me. Many believe he probably was already prostrate on the floor. Woe is me. I can't even see this God. Woo, what a picture of this God. Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, says Isaiah. Wow, I'm sorry, God. You're so powerful. And it says that he sees angels going around the throne of God. And these are called seraphims. And they have six wings. Two covering the eyes, two covering the feet, and two to fly around. The same vision that Isaiah has is the same vision that John has on the island of Patmos when he's writing the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 4, he says, And he saw four living creatures, each of them with how many wings? Six wings. And they're full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God right now is sitting on his eternal throne and there's four angels called seraphims and they have six wings and they're all saying to one another holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty they're not saying mercy 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 they're not saying love 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 they're not saying righteous 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 those things are all true about God but the one thing that they're highlighting is holy 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 in fact he's so holy they can't even see him they cover their eyes with their wings this is how powerful God is. We can't even go outside and look at the sun. You're going to go blind. Go out and stare at the sun today for an hour. Like you don't do it because it's so powerful. Yet we come arrogantly before God. And we're just like, yeah, God, what up? I'm good. I'm here. Like, why can I do whatever I want? Like, be careful. You might die in front of God. And we approach God with such like a, like an arrogant attitude. I'll do whatever I want. That's my dog, the man upstairs. That's a king, a holy king, a holy king. We should be like Isaiah and say, God, I'm sorry. Holy, 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 woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't even deserve to be here. My sin should have killed me a long time ago. How dare I approach you arrogantly or with my presumption thinking I know who this God is. I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to realize you're a holy God. Anytime in the Hebrew something is repeated is because it's important. The word holy in the Hebrew is kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy. You're set apart. The angel said, we've never seen anything like this. You're holy, God. 
this is the God that we have. He's a beautiful, holy God. You don't play with God. Billy Graham said this about God's holiness. Only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. Just like Isaiah, as soon as he got the revelation, the vision of God's grand power, holiness, majesty, he was like, whoa, I'm a sinner. Oh, when you realize how holy God is, you realize how evil we are. And you have to understand the, the bad news so that you can appreciate the good news. You can't know him as Savior King until you know that he rescued you from depraved sin. Whoa, I'm evil, I'm unclean. But even in that state, he loved me. He came down and he showed me grace and he came and he forgave me. That's the God that I have. Yes, he's holy, 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 holy. But he wants me and he chases me and he loves me. Today, some of us, we got to realize he's a holy God and we come with all of our presumptions, with all of our assumptions and with all of our arrogance and we say, I can do whatever I want because God loves me. You better be careful. It's a holy God. He's a holy God. And Isaiah just begins to confess his sin in front of God. Notice God hasn't said a thing. It's not like God was in heaven. It's like, Isaiah, bow down before him. No, he just existed and man has to bow down before him. Don't say a word. I've been in moments in the presence of God where I just know he shows up. I know his glory hits the room and I'm just like, oof, God is here. I know he's real. I, I know it. I know it. It's like, God, I don't deserve to be in your presence. In the Old Testament, some priests would die in your presence. In Corinth, those drunk people were dying. <laughs> I don't play with God. And Isaiah's like, forgive me, God, I'm unclean. And notice what God does. God is always the initiator of a relationship. And he sends an angel to grab a coal off the altar and put it on his lips. Because God is always looking for humanity. And I sense this in my heart. I don't know who's here today, but you've been running from God for a long time. Somebody invited you here today. Maybe it's your first time, second time, third time. Maybe you've been coming for a year, but you've been running from God. I want to tell you today, he's calling your name today. He's calling your name today. I don't know what your name is. I don't know what your name is, but he's calling your name. Stop running from him. He's seeking you. He's knocking on the door of your heart saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stop running. Stop running. I got you. I want to save you from destruction. I want to give you a better life than you could ever imagine. Stop running because God always initiates relationship. Adam and Eve were running and hiding from God, but they sinned. And what did God do? God came in the garden and goes, Adam, where are you, Adam? Just want to love you, God, but we're sinners. You know what I'll do? I'll kill some animals and I'll cover your nakedness and your sin. And they were literally covered in blood so that they could be forgiven. It was a picture of what Jesus does with us today. Moses and the people of God were going through the desert and he would call up Moses to the mountain and say, come close. God is always telling humanity, come close, come close. Today he's telling some of us, come close, get to know me. I love you. Yes, I'm holy. Come close. Not too close. You might die, but come close. I'm God. Come close. He called Abraham to come out and come close. Isaiah, he's like, I know you're unclean, but here's a coal and this hot coal, I'm gonna put it in that unclean part. And whatever I touch makes clean. And the coal in Isaiah is Jesus in the New Testament. 
It was a representation of Jesus. That when Jesus came and he came and he touched my life, everything that was unclean, everything that was dirty, everything that was evil, he said, it is now atoned by the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can stand in the presence of a holy God because he atoned for my sin. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I've been adopted because of the blood of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I got a Savior that died for my sin when my sin should have killed me. He's a holy God. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. And while Isaiah was clean and trying to hide from God, the angel came and put the hot coal on his lips. It's the same thing that Jesus did in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God who shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not that we were one sinner, while you and I were still sinners, he came and died for us. While Isaiah is saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm a sinner. Here comes the call. Here, let, let, me, let me make you clean. Today, we need to realize, I can't do whatever I want. He's a king. And he loves me and he wants what's best for me. So God, I, I want that call of Jesus to come and make me clean. Forgive me. Make me new. Yes, he's love, but he's holy. In fact, his love is holy. It's deep, it's profound. And it's at the cross where we see the intersection of both love and holiness. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And we see that horizontally he's reaching to all of humanity. And we see the love of God on the cross. But vertically we see the wrath of God on the cross. The holiness of God needed to be satisfied. The wrath of God to pay for our sin by death. And at the cross we see holiness and love together in Jesus. It's a holy God. My generation, our generation, our culture, our society today, we need to know, can I do whatever I want? No, you can't. Because he's a holy king. You could do whatever you want. Go ahead and do it. I don't think it's going to end well for you. Just read through the Bible. I know, but I don't like the Bible. You don't have to like it. It's truth. He's a holy king. So what do we do then? How do we approach this God? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God then acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a what? Oh, come on, church. Come on. Our God is a? God is a consuming fire. He's not a dating contestant on Love is Blind. He's a consuming fire. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been around a fire my whole life, right? We go to, we go to, we go to bonfires. Some of us, we got the houses with chimneys. You, you don't play with fire. You have respect for fire. You're not afraid of fire, but you have reverence toward fire. The writer of Hebrews saying, our God is a consuming fire. Can you approach him with some reverence? Woo. But I thought he's cute and sweet and loves me and has infatuated me. He has a poster of me on his wall. He does love you, but he wants holiness. And he wants to make you clean. And he wants to make me clean. And he wants to come with the cold, his son Jesus, and make us new again. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We'll finish with these last three things. What do we do with this consuming fire? The writer of Hebrews says, well, it says, approach him 
approach him with acceptable worship. Number one, bring acceptable worship before God. What does that mean? God has a way he likes to be worshiped. Are you worshiping God the way you assume, or I just think God likes this, I'm gonna do whatever I want with my life and I'll just do whatever I want with God. No, he likes the way you worship him the way he likes to be worshiped. I've been married to Diana now 12 years, known her for about 13 and a half years, and I know what she likes and I know what she doesn't like. I'm not gonna get to my house tomorrow with flowers because she doesn't like flowers. Some girls love flowers. Diana's never liked flowers. Since we started dating, I would bring her flowers like, oh, thank you so much, but I really don't like flowers. She's like, no, because flowers, they die in about four or five days. Like, don't bring me flowers. Like, you'll be wasting your money with flowers. I'm not impressed. I don't care. I don't really don't care about flowers. So I learned. I don't bring her flowers. She's like, yeah, can you bring me some Tiffany jewelry? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I got an expensive girl. Okay, God, help me out. <laughs> like, because I love her and I want to make her happy, I'm going to bring her what she likes. I'm just kidding. She doesn't like jewelry. I've said this every service, and she, that's not who she is. Um... <laughs> Today, God is saying, can you bring me worship? Worship that I like, not just the way that you want to do it. If Queen Elizabeth were to walk in here, or a dignitary president, or a prime minister, how many know, like, we would all stand up and say, whoa, the queen is here. God bless the queen, right? Like, it's the queen of England. Whoa, we'll, we'll show some reverence, some respect. Yet we come into God's house and we just have like hands in our pockets. We have a coffee in our hands and we're like, what up God, worship you, amazing, you're awesome. Is this the last song I gotta go? It's like, you're standing before a holy king. And the Bible says he wants hands raised in worship. And so I'm gonna give him what he wants. My friend, my friend Nathan Vidocchio, he says this all the time, Yod with Kabad, and those are Hebrew words for what God wants. He wrote a book about it now called Killer Church. It's amazing. And he says, God wants hands full of worship, lips full of praise. I come in here as a priest offering God what he wants, not as a consumer saying, what does the church have for me? I come to bring God what he wants in this place. And he wants praise and he wants worship, so I'm going to bring him praise and worship. Number two, approach him with reverence. Not only do we bring acceptable worship, we approach him with reverence. The writer of Hebrews says he's a consuming fire, so bring acceptable worship. Cain didn't bring acceptable worship, but Abel did. And Cain suffered consequences for it. God was pleased with Abel, displeased with Cain, because God is a God of holiness. And then it says approach him with reverence and awe. Number two, you approach him with reverence. I mean with respect. We would all stand at attention if a five-star general came in here, if a president, if a prime minister, and some of us, we just approach God with arrogance. Like he's in love with me, I can do whatever I want. No, he's a king. How about we come like Isaiah with some humility and say, God, woe is me. Thank you, I don't deserve to be here. My sin should have killed me a long time ago. I've had some crazy thoughts. God, I've lied, I've cheated, I've lusted, I've gotten angry, I've hated in my heart, but thank you for your love, thank you for your mercy. For that, I respect you, I love you, I worship you, I give you all the honor, I give you all the praise. He's a good God. Show reverence before God. And then number three, we react to grace with awe. It says, approach him with acceptable worship, with reverence and with awe. Somebody say awe. Humanity has gotten so arrogant that now we take God's grace lightly. Oh, yeah, he forgave me. He's cool. In fact, God forgives so much. I'm just going to go and continue doing whatever I want to do because he's going to forgive me anyways. You know what the, the New Testament says? Paul says that is trampling on the blood of Jesus. Literally, like stepping on it and saying, yeah, I know it cost him his life, but I can do whatever I want. You're playing with the blood of Jesus. 
I'm a grace guy. Like, I believe the grace of God, and we're a grace church, and we've been known to sometimes be too graceful. And I don't care what people say. I believe in the grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here. But there's a difference between, like, thanking God for his grace and then abusing the grace of God. And I just think our generation, our church today around the world has abused the grace of God. And we're, we're no longer in awe that this holy God has decided to forgive us. With the snap of a finger, he could make us all die in a moment. He's, well, I don't think that's fair. Cool, you're not God. He's God. He doesn't have to agree with us. He can literally, but yet that he's chosen to bless us, forgive us, love us. You know how we should, we should approach grace with awe, like, oh my God, thank you, God. I was a man or a woman with unclean lips and, and God unclean thoughts and my heart was unclean but your grace and your love it forgave me and so I approach you with all saying thank you thank you God you're holy thank you God you're so loving thank you that I didn't deserve to be worshiping you I'm not gonna do whatever I want because you're a good king you're a holy king and you want what's best for me so I'd say holy 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 to the Lord Today, we give Him worship. Today, we give Him praise. Today, we give Him all the glory because there's none like Him. Why don't we stand up to our feet and we worship Him today? Why don't we give Him hands in worship? Why don't we give Him a heart in worship and say, God, there's no one like you. You're awesome. You're good. I praise you. I worship you, God. You're an awesome King. Come on, with every hand lifted, with every Everything 
bow before him and if you're comfortable if you're willing if we could just bow before the king today I'm just sensing this in my heart that today we just bow before him if you're comfortable if you're able to on your chair or you want to come up here we just bow before the king and we say God you're holy 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 why don't you take 15 20 30 seconds to tell him he's holy and thank him for his grace today God if we've taken you lightly ask him for forgiveness today if you've taken him with a little bit of arrogance in your heart if you've taken his presence lightly if you've taken his word lightly God we're so sorry today and as a church Calvary today we say we love you God and we're sorry we repent Father, you're a holy king and you're a holy spirit. And you're awesome, God, and there's no one like you. Today as a church, we lift up our voice and we say thank you, God. Come on, why don't you lift up your voice and lift up your own prayer before God and tell him thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your love and thank you for 
for all the blessings that you've given us. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But thank you that with that hot coal, thank you for your son Jesus that came and you cleansed us and you made us new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we sing with the angels, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy are you God Almighty. You're high and lifted up. You're powerful. There's none like you, God. Who is man that you are mindful of him? Thank you for every blessing. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, today if you're in here and you don't know this God if somebody invited you it's your first time second time you don't even know what you walked into I know today was a little bit different but come back next week but I just want to tell you he loves you he loves you with eyes closed head bowed in prayer and worship today if you feel far from God if you're saying Alex I got so much sin I got stuff nobody knows about I feel far from God maybe all you've known about is just this God who loves and He's cool, he's whatever. I want to tell you, he invites you into a relationship with him. He wants you to know him in spirit and in truth. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, today if you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I know I got sin in my life, but I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I need forgiveness today. I want a brand new beginning today, today. I don't want to go home the same. I, I want a relationship with this awesome God who decided to love me when he didn't have to. With eyes closed and head bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. Can you raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Hold it up maybe for about two, three seconds. I just wanted to see who I'm going to pray for. And then you can put your hands back down. If today you're saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I want a brand new start in my life. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Raise it up. I see you. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. 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 You can put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer with all you've got. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it out loud together. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected come into my life be my lord and be my savior from today on i'm forgiven i'm saved and i'm healed in jesus name amen amen and amen hallelujah anybody grateful for our good king awesome God. Hey, I know we went like five, ten minutes over time, and I'm sorry, but I just think there's a beautiful presence in this place. I love it. We have a really good king. We, we got kids joining us for, for this last power service because it's back to school week, and so we're going to pray for all the kids. And why don't you give them a big, big hand, all of our kids coming in here. All across, all across our county, 
kids are going back to school. Some of them went back to school this past week. Most of them are going back Monday and Wednesday. In fact, if there's teachers here, why don't you come up here? Let's pray for teachers as well. All the kids, all the teachers, all the teachers, why don't you join us up here? And, and I'm going to ask pastors and leaders to come around and we're going to lay hands on all the kids and pray that they have a blessed school year and on our teachers as well. Get as close as you can, all the teachers, all the kids. Come on, we're going to pray, pray blessings over them in Jesus' name that God will protect them. How many know we need prayer in school more than ever? And we need to pray for our kids, pray for our teachers. Church, why don't you extend your hands toward all the kids, toward all the teachers, and we're going to pray for them today in Jesus' name. Why don't you lay a hand on a kid that's in front of you or a teacher and begin to pray blessings over them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your good grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you're a God who loves us, who's for us. We thank you that you're a God of blessing as well. We pray a special blessing for this year, God, for all of our kids going back to school. We pray, God, that your hand would be upon them in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come upon them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. God, that you would bless them with health, that you would bless them with protection, that you would bless them with provision in the mighty name of Jesus, God. We pray, God, that you would always provide for them, that you'll provide health, that you'll provide strength, that you'll provide knowledge in the mighty name of Jesus, that you'll go before them and behind them every single day. God, that they'll be surrounded by your angels every day when they go to school. God, we pray that our kids would be the brightest, they'll be the most blessed, that they're the head and not the tail, that they're on top and not beneath, and that they'll never lack a good thing according to your riches in heaven. We pray for our teachers, God, that you would bless them, let them go and be the difference in school. Let them shine your light. Amen.